Father, thank you, God, that today is Home Group Sunday. We can celebrate uh, most of all you, God. And Lord, it's the re- you're the reason why we even meet. You're the reason why we come together and we, and we and worship God. And Lord, today we look to you and we, we know that you are here in the midst of us. We pray that even as I speak, God, that you'll just ready your, your people, God, for the word. We thank you, God, for your word that is so true and applies for us even today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are, this whole year, you are noticing that we are doing the Book of Psalms, right? And so even in our home groups, we talked about, you just saw the video, we're doing the Book of Psalms today. This year is all about getting closer to God. And uh, we kicked off last week with Pastor Chris's message on mixtape. So if you haven't listened to um, Pastor Chris's message, please go back. He talked about soundtracks in our life and how we have soundtracks that play over loop after loop after loop in our head that form habits, form ways of us doing things. This year for us, um, if I can just encourage you go back to the message listen to it but be challenged this year that some of the soundtracks in our lives actually need to be changed and so throughout the course of this whole series itself throughout the course uh, of this whole year may you be able to take the things that you hear and learn and apply them to your life so you can have new soundtracks for your life too and we're going to dive into Psalms today, and uh, you will notice that in this series, and even our home group series as well, um, as much as we can read through Psalms chronologically, um, there's also different genres and different categories that we can classify Psalms for. And so there is whole, uh, over the next few weeks, we'll be diving in to the different sort of Psalms that you can read. And hopefully as you read for the Bible reading plan itself in your own life, they'll start to make a lot more sense. And so uh, I think one of the weeks we're going to be talk- talking about uh, the, le- the Psalms that are more about l- the laments of the Psalms. We're going to talk about the praise and thanksgiving Psalms. We're going to talk about the royal Psalms that declare the majestic nature of Christ, songs of trust. And today we're going to be talking about what we call the category of songs of God's ways. And today we're going to be diving into Psalms 133. Um, just to be the background to that, uh, Songs of God's Ways is this wisdom-type psalm. A wisdom-type psalm is something that we, that as you read, it's about ways that we, God asks us to live as Christians, ways that is wise for us to live as Christians. And so we're going to be diving into Psalm 133, which is part of this category. So it's, inter- it, it's important that we uh, note these things. As we read, uh, it's how we look at the text, how we study the text, and how we then apply the text to our lives. And just a little bit of background to Psalm 133 itself um, as we get into it today. is Psalm 133 is actually part of a, a series of chapters which is called the Song of Ascents. You might have seen that in the title of your Bibles. And uh, this psalm itself are uh, songs that, you know, the Jewish people would sing on the way to the pilgrimage for various festivals. They would declare these things and sing these things um, about God's ways that we need to, to remind ourselves on how to live our lives. And so let me start. Let's get straight into the scripture. We're going to read through the passage. We're going to dissect the passage today. And then I'm going to go into a whole bunch of application, practical things, I think, because it's Home Group Sunday today. But Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And that's the first verse. It kicks off straight away. It is good and pleasant when God's people live in unity. This word unity, you know, I just wanted to kind of just address this word unity because I think this, uh, this verse alone is so full of, I think, things that we can study. This word unity um, translates in, in the Hebrew to the word yahad, and it's this idea of being one with one another. It's an idea of togetherness. It's this idea of being in one accord. You know, it's hard sometimes to grapple without, with terms without an illustration. 
illustration itself. But one of the greatest examples in the, in the, in the Bible talks about unity within a marriage. And, you know, I do a premarital counseling session. I do talk about this verse in my premarital counseling session. It's Genesis 2 verse 24 where, where it says, um, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united, his, uh, united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This unity, marriage is a gift from God. And this unity that lies between a man and a woman means that they become one flesh. You know, we talk about a lot about this in marriages where when, when two people come together, two become one. And there is this whole mutual understanding that to get now their lives are together. They're living not their own lives, but they're living together in one accord, having a mutual understanding, a mutual support for one another. If you can, if you can have that little picture of what unity looks like. It gives you a little bit of an idea of what this unity that, that David is talking about and what God wants us to live in unity as. You know, that this, you know if you ever go to a wedding, we talk about um, a lot of the weddings that we go to, talk about the love that we have for one another is not just something that we have, but we do. We live out the love. We live out the unity that we have in our relationship. You know, as I read this passage, read this verse, I'm, you know, I've kind of spent some time studying this verse, and I'm, it's, it would have been so easy for David just to have written how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together, right? and leave out the in unity part. It would be so easy that, you know, we all, and I, I think of my family, it's so easy that my family kind of lives together under one roof, that's an easy part, but in unity... That's a, that's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? And so when, when we throw those words in, I think it's, not, not, it's, it's a, deliberate, um, a deliberate way to tell us that this is the way God wants us to live. Like, let's not take the easy way about it. Let's not take the easy way of just living together, but let's actually live it out in, this, this, in, a, in a sense of unity with one another. I actually think in our world today that uh, well, well, there is this real fight for unity in our society today, I like to think of it like this dilemma, dilemma of unity that happens across our culture and our society today as, as we have it. Um, a lot of us know that in our world today that uh, there's been a rise of the individualism culture where I think that it, it permeates through our, our, our culture today and it's good and bad, I suppose, but it's this idea of valuing your own personal freedom. It's this va um, valuing autonomy, you know, this self-expression. And that's all well and good, but I think it, it sometimes for, in, our, in our world today, we play down the importance of unity. I think some of us have heard this tag, this line, this phrase, live and let live, you know, and this whole idea of this tagline is that individuals themselves should be free to live their lives as they see fit. As long as their actions don't do harm to others or myself, it's okay. Just live that way that you want to live. And I think there's this, this fight for unity. You know, is it good? Is it bad? We're not sure. And I think the Bible talks about how unity is pleasant and it is good. It is good for us to live in unity. I look at our church today, and I think that whole mindset of, you know, live and let live sometimes permeates into our church itself. You know, sometimes we look around across the generations in our church. Oh, man, the kids are in our church. Like, we just went for a season of our Sunday service where we had all the kids in our service. Oh, my goodness, isn't that chaotic? And everyone's like, everyone like just breathes a sigh of relief when the kids finally go back to kids' ministry. And, I, you know, it's great that it only happens for a certain season of our life. But my goodness, that happened every day on a Sunday. You're bothering me now. 
And so isn't it great that, you know, the kids, kids are in kids' ministry? Sometimes we think about that and go, oh, man, church should just be just for me. It should just feel like, you know, the kids shouldn't be here to disturb me. They shouldn't be here to distract me. It's great that they're now back in kids' ministry. And I think this whole idea of live and let live permeates us all throughout our life sometimes. And we don't be careful. We can end up living not in unity with one another. Same as the youth group. I, I grew up being a youth pastor and everyone loved the youth and the next generation of tomorrow. But keep them on Friday night because their music's too loud. You know, and so I think subconsciously sometimes we think these things, but we don't realize them itself. Now, see, I've realized that biblical unity itself is it goes beyond just mere co- coexistence. You know, the Bible refers to how we are the body of Christ. Each one of you are a different part within the body of Christ that make up the body of Christ itself or have a unique part to play in the body. We're not your hand, you're, you're feet uh, itself. And when everything plays well together, when every, everyone respects and understands and honors every single person and gives a good turn to every single part of that body, that's when I think that true unity happens. Um, I, I love the, uh, I was reading, even as I was preparing for the sermon, that this illustration of a symphony at work. Um, I'm not a musician myself, um, but all I know is that when you hear good music, it's, it's actually really good, right? And so uh, when the symphony, symphony plays and there's different instruments that all c- combine for this amazing arrangement that happens um, and the conductor stands there and conducts the order and the timing and, and, and when and what each person should play, this beautiful sound comes about. And it's not that any, any one thing is better than the other. It's just that everything is playing in unison with one another. And when true unity happens in Christ, you know, Christ is like that conductor that, you know, that, you know, who's leading the whole thing. And when true unity happens in Christ, you see there is something very beautiful happen. And that's why I think David, when he talks in 133 verse 1, it says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity it's like this symphony it's like this thing that happens that is just amazingly perfect sound and so that's what psalms wants us to do you know we're going to just dive into the passage a little bit in psalm 133 onwards it starts to talk about a bit of a glimpse of how that unity looks like it says in psalm 133 verse 2 it says it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. You know, you read this verse in today's context and you wonder why um, oil running down a hairy man's beard is beautiful, all right? And so what what in the world? (laughs) Okay, picture that. Okay, get that picture out of your mind right now because that's a terrible picture to remember. But um, Aaron was a high priest. Like a high priest, high priest was a messenger from God. He, he spoke God's word. And this idea of precious oil, precious oil, it wasn't something cheap. It was something precious, something expensive that, that you know, an ordinary priest would never get oil running down all over. It was just a sprinkling. But Aaron was this high priest. And it's this image of Aaron um, as he wears his priestly garments that, you know, the oil will run down from head to toe. And on his, on his clothes would be inscribed and blazoned on his um, robe, the 12 tribes, and as the oil will come down, it was symbolic of this idea that even though there are 12 tribes, um, that you were, con- that this nation of Israel was consecrated, and you know, that this idea in people's minds was that God's protection, God's favor, God's blessing was upon his people, and so then David speaks about this, he goes, Mike, it is amazing that we could be everywhere, we could be like 
divided in many ways, but we are united in Christ. That's the image you get from something like this. And then he goes on and in verse 3 it says, It is as if the Jew of Hermon were falling, falling on Mount Zion. Now, Hermon was this, this majestic mountain that everyone knew about. But this idea of Jew um, in the Bible, if you read it, and I won't get into too much today, but it's this idea of refreshment that happens, this idea of life-giving. You know, so when the Jew comes, this heavy Jew that will come in the night, you know, would, would, would kind of saturate the ground. And it's this idea in people's minds that when, when, you, when that happens, it's, it's like it's just this, this refreshment of that happening in your life. There's a, there's a life-givingness that happens in your life. And that's, why unit, that's a picture of unity, unity, that, unity that we get. When unity happens, it's like this refreshing experience. It's like this, you know, it's, like, it's life-giving. It's, it's not tiresome. It's, it's, it's easy. It, it's, it's, it's great. The passage of the Bible, and this is the last verse, it goes on and says, For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now, the Bible is very clear that, you know, with unity comes the Lord's blessing. And, and, and it's interesting to read that text because it's not just here on earth, but it's also there in our eternal life where, you know, where unity brings about this blessing. And unity itself is pleasant to God. You know, I've realized that, um, that, you know, when we talk a lot about things like this, that unity itself is actually a choice that we make in our relationships. It's actually a choice that we make. It doesn't happen by accident. You don't wake up one day and suddenly we're all united as a church, as a home group, as people of God. You know, it's a choice that we make. It requires intentionality in our relationships. It actually requires effort. It requires discipline. And one of the things I want to challenge us on today is who you surround yourself with is important. Who you surround yourself in life is really, really important. Now, um, there is a saying which, uh, which I've read by this guy called Jim Rohn. He's a speaker. He spoke this a while ago, so I'm not sure how accurate it exactly is. But I, I like the actual, I think, the intention behind the statement. It says, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. If you think about that in the statement in life, right, who are your closest friends in your life? Who are the people that you allow into your life that are the closest people? And you think of those names, picture that right now. How much of those people have influenced the way you think over your health, your finances, the way you raise your family, your job, your, you know, how you view life? You know, I think we all would realize that the closest people around us influence the way we think. Would you say the same thing? I, I would say that. You know, I look around my friends, and I, those people in, impact me. I look at my family. They impact my life. There are, I, I, there are two ways that we choose relationships. It's either through default or design. And I, I want to just touch on this because I think sometimes in our lives, we live our lives a bit by default. Whatever happens, happens. You know, life itself just takes me here. It takes me there. Uh, this is the default way I'm going to live my life. Sometimes we choose our relationships that way. Whoever steps into my life, you know, we're going to be friends or whoever, you know, whatever happens, happens. And uh, I think sometimes we, we don't think very hard about the, the people that we surround ourselves with. The other way that we, 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 um, we choose our relationships is through design, and that's through intentionality in our life, where we go out there and we, you know, that, that circle that we talk about um, is important. Who we place in that circle is important, that there is some intentionality behind that. I've realized in life that, you know, you cannot just put something on autopilot and expect something to stay the same way 
it is. I look at my health itself where when, as a 20-year-old in my life, I could eat anything I liked, slept whenever I liked, and I, I would still be okay the next day. I'm now in my 40s, and unfortunately, and you know, if I do the same thing in my 20s, I don't know if I'll still be here today. You know what I'm saying? Like, so so you, 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 I don't think you can actually... In your life, when it comes to anything in your life, you cannot just leave on autopilot and expect it to be the same in the years to come. That's the same with relationships, where I think that, you know, if we don't have any intention in our relationships, we cannot expect our relationships to be the same or, you know, in the same way that they are in, in years to come. I want to give uh, just some real practical things now, I think, on... You know, unity is something that we need to work at. It's not something that happens, as I said before, uh, the flick of a switch. Um, it's something that we actually genuinely have to orientate ourselves to want to do. And I want to talk about how that works in uh, for, um, some, some tips on how I feel that that might work for us to bring unity into our relationships. The first one I, talk, I want to talk about is that I think we all need to be able to look at and nurture your most important relationships around you. Um, we, all, we all know what it takes to light a fire. You know, you, you, you start a fire, you put a log on a fire. You know, to keep that fire going, you have to add more logs onto that fire. Very simple um, principle, right? That, you know, when the fire goes out, obviously it needs wood, it needs timber, it needs wood to kind of keep the fire going. Our relationships are the same. You know, if you're, not, if you're not constantly putting in logs of, you know, of patience and communication and, and, and conversation and, and kindness and love into your relationships, how do you expect to be able to keep um, your relationships important? How do you expect to, to keep your relationships healthy? How do you keep your relationships that you have still warm with one another if you don't keep placing these, these sort of things in your relationships, these, these logs which I talk about? You know, some of us are here are married. You know, we all know that, you know, if you, you cannot just leave your marriage on autopilot. You know, your marriage itself needs to be worked out. You need to continue to have date nights. You need to continue to be intimate with one another. You need to continue to, walk, to talk about the difficult conversations. You need to keep placing these logs into, the, the, into your relationship to keep your marriage going. And, you know, some of us are parents here even. And, you know, with our kids, you know, we, that, we have to do the same thing. We cannot just leave things by themselves and hope that they will stay the way they are. We actually have to sow into it. We need to feed it with logs of, of, of things that actually help bring our relationships closer together. We need to nurture my important relationships in our lives. Uh, 1, uh, 1 Peter 4, verse 7 to 8, it, just, let me read it quickly to you. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. It goes on in verse 8, above all, above everything else, the Bible says, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. It says above all, that we should love. If we want to nurture our relationships, we need to be loving one another. Um, what you stop building into will eventually leave your life. I've always lived in that, by that principle. If you stop building into your relationships, those relationships will leave your life. life. If you, have important relationships, or if you have important relationships in your life, you need to keep building into them, all right? The second one, the second one I want to get quite practical with is um, this idea of, you know, for some of us, we need to restore our healthy, uh, our broken relationships. Um, sorry, my, my, my notes just went haywire. 
There's a verse here which I want to read. It says here um, in Colossians 3 verse 13, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is a really hard one, isn't it? Like, you know, restore broken relationships. You know, it is hard when someone offends you. It is hard when someone um, rubs you the wrong way. Sometimes we come to church and we are all smiles on the outside, but in our hearts it's a whole bunch of hatred. Um, but for us, sometimes for unity to happen, sometimes we need to be able to restore the breaking, broken relationships in our life. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, it's a harmful relationship in your life, that you need to go out there and restore those ones, the ones that are very, that bring nothing but death into, the, into your relationship, like, or hurt. Um, but there are relationships in our life that we need to restore. And you ask me how do I restore those relationships? I think it's in Scripture. I, it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I know I could, you could probably speak a whole message on forgiveness, but sometimes the first step for us is to actually forgive somebody, to actually say, I actually, there's something about you or something about our relationship that I need to forgive. Sometimes that's the first step you need to make in restoring a broken relationship. The third one I want to I talk about um, that, you know, that I think will help us in our unity is sometimes we actually need to sever our harmful relationships. I know I was thinking, I wish I put this one in, but I, I'm not saying you have to get rid of all your friends. Don't get me wrong. Right? But sometimes in life, there are people in your life that actually are not helping you pursue the things that you want to pursue, the things that are important to you. You know, Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. You know, if you hang out with fools, you'll suffer. The Bible says, you know, wise people become wiser. You know, I remember when I was young. So I love the story on the Alpha video. I think it was Elisha, Elisha where he was talking about how he hit a roadblock in his life with God. And I, I remember hitting the same roadblock in my life as well where it, probably in my late teens, I discovered my faith that I had was not really my faith. It was probably my family's faith. And so I went through this search in the wilderness about what God was for me in my life. And I remember the first probably one or two years of university, it was about discovering that, trying new things, experiencing new friends. And I formed great friends outside the church. And I remember that these friends that I had were great people, but, you know, they were, I knew very well that if I had stayed with these people, they would pull me away from, from, from who and what was important to me. And so for, I had to make a very conscious decision that, that, that these people were not like, they weren't terrible people, but they were the people that wanted and liked my old self. These are the people who wanted me to stay where I was and not move forward. And so in the end, what I had to do was start to move myself away from those people in order for me to bring myself around those people that were wanting the, the same thing that I wanted. Sometimes we have to sever some of the harmful relationships in our life that cause us to drift, to move away from those things that are important to us. The last one I want to, I want to mention is that sometimes we need to be able to initiate some, some meaningful relationships in our life. I, I, I say this one because I think I've noticed that in life that, uh, that as you move to different seasons of life, sometimes you require different people to surround you in your life. And sometimes it's just in life in general, you need different people to come and be those closest people around you. Um, and it takes time. The Bible says, and let us not consider how we may spur one another on toward love and, and deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This verse talks about we need to be continuously 
trying to meet with people. When I was, uh, when I got married and um, and I had my first child, our first two child children. Um, I was still the youth pastor of our church, and my wife was the kids' pastor. Our whole world was young people. We lived four streets down from Box Hill Central, and my house, my unit that we had, was almost like this revolving door, young people coming through day after day because we lived so close to Box Hill. My whole world was young people. And when we had children, one of the greatest pieces of advice that I think Sonia and I received was that you need to, you need to actually um, start to initiate some meaningful relationships in your life, people who are, that can speak into your life, people who have perhaps moved a little bit further out in their life, they're winning in this area that you can kind of spend time with, that you can learn from them. And I think sometimes in our life that we need to also not, we also need to initiate new relationships. We have to put ourselves out there to meet new people in different seasons of our life that we can then um, see us pull in the direction that God wants us to take us. I say all these things because I think God wants us to have unity in our life. And, but some of you, I understand, this is Home Group Sunday and going, where do I start with trying to find these connections? Where do I start trying to find these relationships in my life? Um, can I say it starts with um, developing your relationship with God? Um, I, if I get re- really honest, um, there are some of us here that I just, you know, how do I start? How do I get actually connected? How do I find these people? You know, Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, there is no, and throughout scripture, there is littered uh, this whole idea that, you know, as you seek God, as you seek after God, you put him first. Even when I talk to dating couples, you know, you know, if you seek God, you know, uh, and you're looking for a partner, you know, God will place someone there for you in his time. And I think if you seek after God, if you continuously sow into your relationship with God first, God will begin to bring people around you. I think there's no question in my mind that I've seen that happen in my life over the years. You know, I think a lot of us can say the same thing, where we seek after God, we get into His Word, we worship, we pray, we, get, we spend time. We start to change the soundtracks of our life that we can start to do some of these things, and we see God show up in our way. The last one I want, I want to talk about is, is this idea, I think you need to start to develop your relationship with your church, without, I know some of you here for the first time, but I think we have to get plugged in to a church. You cannot just be attending, I think, if you, you just can't be attending church and expect for there to be meaningful relationships that come about in your life. You know, you don't go to a gym and you look at the equipment and expect, but just by looking at, at the equipment that you're going to get healthy, all right? You don't, put, you don't um, go and, and do an investment and don't put anything in it and expect something in return. You don't come to church and just sit there every week and expect there to be great relationships that just, that just happen in your life, great people that you just meet in your life. There needs to be a, an effort from your, from your side to be able to put yourself and go all in in some respects. I encourage you that today, you know, that, that, that you would do that, um, that you would actually put yourself and go all in and, and, and not just sit in your seats, but try to get connected with church. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was this idea that um, I think over COVID, some of us have shifted our mindsets of what church looks like. You know, during COVID, we were like, oh, you can be church anywhere you like. You can be church in your home. You can be church on the beach. You can be church on your holiday house. It's okay. You can be church in isolation by yourself. You know, 
as you study the word um, ecclesia, right, which, which is translated in the word church, what is church itself? Church is not to be lived by yourself. It's translated, Ecclesia, it's this assembly. That's why we're also called Full Gospel Assembly Melbourne. It's the idea of a gathering together that we have when we come together as a church. And we cannot do, we cannot live out church in our lives without coming together, without connecting, without assembling, without gathering, without, Hebrew says, without meeting with one another. You can be a Christian by yourself, you just can't be the church. God's called us to be the church. If I start to wrap up, um, today's Home Group Sunday, and the reason why I say these things is because for us, home groups play this part, you know, where we all need a place where, I, where we all connect and try to find meaningful relationships, places where we can uh, grow in our faith. We can grow in our faith and, our, and, our, and use the giftings that we have that God has given us. Home groups are that place. Home groups are a really important part of the church that we have because, you know, it's a place where we can support one another. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. You know, there's a reason why at FGA, we, from the very youngest group of kids that, that we have, they meet. In, in little home groups as well. It's because I think there's something very special when, when people get together and we know the other person's name. We can pray for them. We can encourage them. Home groups are that place for us. And, uh, and today, I suppose, I want to encourage us that um, I want to I I issue two challenges for us as a church. Maybe you're here visiting for the first time. Maybe you have come for a little while and that survey that we just did was actually really cool because we saw that there are so many people that have just come to our church after lockdown. Maybe that's you. That you maybe you're not in a group yet. Maybe, you, maybe you're thinking to yourself that maybe that you've come, to, you, you don't even know if God is your God um, and, you, and that's why you're hesitant to plug in. Can I just say that even if you're exploring your faith, you know, our faith itself is not designed to be lived out alone. You know, being part of a group will help answer your questions, will help see our faith in action. But this first challenge is for everyone who's not in a group today. Um, you can, don't go it alone. You know, our faith itself is designed and why to be done together. Yeah, for some of us, we've tried a group, I think Cal has said it herself, and maybe it hasn't worked out. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. We have, you're here later on, with there is many, many groups in our church. Would you actually yourself take that first step and try to find another group? You know, if you can't find a group, talk to myself and Pastor Weissy or Pastor Jerusha, and we will find you somewhere we would hope that you can plug yourself in. But sometimes in our lives, maybe we sat here for so long and the soundtrack is that I'm never going to get plugged into my life. Uh, I'm never going to find these connections. You know, that needs to, sometimes, you have to, sometimes you have to change that soundtrack. God, I'm going to allow you to change that soundtrack in my life that maybe you need to help me find the place. Maybe God help me find that people. Can you help me? I know I can do it through Christ in my life. So that's you. Pastor YC is going to talk to us after this and, and share on how you can get connected. Would you do that today? The second group that I want to challenge is, with, is actually everybody else who's part of a home group itself. Uh, I, I spoke about earlier on that church is not designed for you just to sit there and just attend church. Our, our home groups are not there just for you to sit there and just attend and eat the food and go home. Can I encourage you that, yeah, that our home groups itself is a place to give? 
to, 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 to actually activate who God is, what God has given you. That when we go to home group and we, we have this mindset that, you know, what can, what can I give? No matter where I'm at in my journey, what, no matter what I'm going through, what can I sow in to the people around me? And I think as we do that, and I'm going to wrap up now, but... You know, I believe that something very special happens. Like in Acts 2, which is one of my favorite uh, passages in the Bible of the early church, where it talks about how the early church came about, where they broke bread, they did life together, they, 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 they were taught um, by the apostles, they, they shared everything. There was, this, there was this great sense of unity amongst all the early church, because they all are willing to give. They are willing to pour something into the, the group of friends that they had day after day after day. And the Bible says actually in Acts 2 that as a result of that, you know, as a result of everyone pouring into that group, signs and wonders started happening. Signs and wonders started happening. I believe that if we as a church, we as home groups in this church, as we have the same mindset, have the same attitude in terms of unity within these groups, I believe God will show up. And I read Psalm 133 earlier on how God brings about a blessing when unity is there. And when unity is there in our church, in our home groups, something very amazing can happen and will happen. That's the promise of God. And so would you this year, if you're in a home group already, would you ask yourself, what can I possibly be giving in to this group? Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for today. I thank you, God, that today is Home Group Sunday, God. And Lord, you have, to, and you have, or you have given us so many uh, just ways to be able to connect with different people. Lord, we know it's not easy to find a group. We know, we know it's not easy to find people who are in our closest circles. But Lord, today I pray, Lord, that even as we lean in on you today in our lives, that you would bring the right people around each person here. Lord, we are not created to live this life alone. And so, Lord, it is sometimes hard to break out of what we know and what has always happened. But today I pray, Lord, that we break through in people's lives. That if you, for those who are not connected into a home group, I pray that today that they would take a step in in, the, in faith, God, to, to get connected. And I pray that, Lord, that this church will be one that will grow in unity as we pursue the things that you want us to pursue, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.